Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. So, we are on, and uh, we'll do our usual talk for a few seconds, bore our audience while we work our way into... uh, and the next okay. thing. Hi. So it's uh, Sam. We're back GM. again. Yep. Yep. Hello. Um, today we have uh, a friend of mine who is a neighbor from down the street. Her name is Amanda. And uh, say hello, Amanda, if you would. Hello. All right. There's Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Um, <laughs> I, I think I don't usually start off with any sort of uh, primer or whatever it is early on, in the, but I'm I'm just going to lay it out there for people who do listen to our podcast. Uh, This is likely to be a bit of an emotional podcast. Um, There is likely to be not uh, not gratuitous swearing, but the type of swearing that a person engages in when they're talking about something difficult, like life can be shit sometimes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And if so do you want me to just go ahead and sort of lay out kind of what what the situation is i've never done this before so i'm following your lead all right no problem well uh people who listen to us they know i like to talk so sam loves to talk (laughs) i mean a lot yeah yeah it's like uh it's my thing and you know that's good i think if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna have a talk yeah someone's gotta do it right I'll so, let you get started, and if you go for more than fifteen minutes, then I will. Oh gosh, okay? I, I would oh. stop me after like a minute. No, and a half. We, we, <laughs> we're raising our hand usually after three minutes. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So uh, the situation is that uh, Amanda and her husband Jason live down the street from me, and uh, I, I think it's about five years ago that Jason was diagnosed with cancer. Yep. And a uh, an aggressive form of cancer. Yep for which there uh, ultimately was no cure that you could find. Yep. Um, And Jason uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago. February 7th. February 7th. And uh, throughout those five years, our our neighborhood knew of the situation. Uh, Jason and I were uh, never, never able to cement a close friendship. And I think that you know, had I known him when we were younger, I think there would have been no doubt that I, I, I knew he was a very nice guy, and I knew that he was the type of person that I would like. But I think by the time I met him, and had a chance to really get to know him, he was already dealing with something much larger than than most of us ever have to deal with. Um, but I was fortunate enough to get to know both of you well enough to both invite Jason in uh, to do a podcast before he passed away. And I, I think a dying person, you know, may find may find that this isn't something they have all the time in the world for. So I think he, you know, I think he sincerely wanted to come and say some things, but I think he had a lot of other things on his plate. So Jason was also um, a spectacular procrastinator. Was he? Yes. And so we did joke a little bit um, about a couple of things that he. Um, needed to do and I did suggest that 
it would be the ultimate procrastination if you managed to procrastinate it until after you were dead. Like, there was literally <laughs> oh my no, gosh. no no going back from that. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, if that's right. something you're known for, yeah. uh, certainly dying young and leaving things undone is a is the ultimate. Uh, right. way to have procrastinated which uh-huh. <laughs> which is a terrible terrible way to make a joke but i will say this amanda i have watched uh for years now as you and jason have gone through this and i think something that you you did during that i don't know if it's i don't know if it was comfortable i don't know if it was natural i imagine that you want to talk about it at some point during this but from my perspective you used your voice to uh sort of not not really so much educate but just enlighten people about the the journey that you and Jason were on and and really how much it sucked and and but how much beauty there was in in your relationship with him and um kind of the celebration of his life so yeah all right i think yeah. that was uh i i found it god what's the right word it it fit my sensibilities. It's not it's not a refreshing take on a shitty thing. No. It's not a it's it, not in, you know not inspirational. It's not inspirational. It's just different and it and it fit my sensibilities. I think you made you know even I think making light of something as terrible as this it's not we're not doing this to actually make light of it it's a very heavy and very serious thing but i know one of my first interactions with with jason aside from just being a neighbor from five houses down Hmm. was uh i had found out that he had you know what was likely going to be terminal cancer and i reached out to him um i just said hey i'm always looking for a fishing buddy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i won't uh i won't talk about the fact that you're likely going to die if you don't uh, bore me with stories I don't want to hear during the, during a fishing trip or whatever. I'll just take you out fishing, and I think he he understood that and he appreciated that. And yeah, he did. Yeah. So 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 what kind of cancer was it? Uh, colorectal cancer. Okay. Um, he was diagnosed um, May twenty third, two thousand fourteen. He was forty one years old. Hmm. That was another question of mine. I I really don't know your ages, but I know you're... I'm 43 now. 43. And he died shortly after his 46th birthday. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. I I know you're both around my age. Yeah. No family history. Yeah. No risk factors. No rhyme or reason to it at all. Uh Uh-huh. I believe that the oncologist that he saw through the whole time when we had a family meeting to talk about the fact that it was likely terminal and how much time he had left... As we were wrapping up the conversation, I remember someone asked, is there any reason why this is happening? And he just very solemnly said, shitty, shitty luck. Yeah, yeah. And that's about all anyone could ever offer us. Um, you know. So sometimes it just boils down to that, right? I mean, we tried, it, certainly when he was first diagnosed, it was not all gloom and doom. I think, you know, the doctors seemed hopeful that we could mm. get it under control and there could right. be a cure. and. Um, but the cancer recurred very quickly, and at that point, they realized that it was more aggressive than they had expected. And um, so, then from that point forward, the you know when you exhaust the existing treatments, there's just not much else they can do for you. Mm-hmm. So. Right? How was it uh, discovered? Was it a routine like 
checkup or was there no, something that he, led to he actually we were on a family vacation in january of 2014 and i remember him complaining that he felt constipated and uh-huh. we were on a cruise and we were all eating a lot of food and so i kind of was like sorry you know but right. yeah. um when we got home i suggested that he probably should go get it checked out and um he made an appointment with his gp um and as I think is very common with people of his age, it was obviously not the first thing that the doctor suspected. Um, yeah, right. So there were probably six months of maybe doing some dietary changes and things like that to see if it would it would change any of the um, bowel issues that he was having. And ultimately, when it didn't, and when he started to see blood in the toilet bowl sometimes after having a bowel movement, he went back to the doctor, and then they ordered a colonoscopy. Right. And at that point they um, found a tumor immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Right. It's, yeah, so. So, I mean, I've, I've noticed through uh, some of your social media that, that you've, you know, you've kind of been getting the word out about things that a person might look for. How common is this type of cancer, really? The thing that's weird about it is it used to be very common in elderly people people that smoked, people that were overweight, people mm-hmm. that ate a lot of red meat. Um, and so that's why the um, the protocols were put in place so that people would start having colonoscopies when they turned 50 or whatever it was. Um, and now no one really knows why, but the rates of diagnosis for colorectal cancer in people um, under the age of 40 are really skyrocketing. Um, hmm. Okay. And they kind of don't know why. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is because, like I said, it's not the first thing that comes to mind when someone goes into the doctor. It can often take a while for diagnosis to be made, for a colonoscopy to be done, for biopsies to be taken. Um, and by that time, often people have metastatic disease. Sure. And so um, while the number of young people being diagnosed is going up, the number of people over the age of 50 is actually going down because of the screening that they're doing right. and that sure. you know so this is i you know i really i came from a medical family but i really don't know a lot about this part of it um so this is like regular colonoscopy colonoscopy screening is the is the thing that you would do after a certain age Yep. To, 50, yeah. to find yeah. this exact type of mm-hmm. right now cancer. it's kind of like they say you know when a woman turns 40 she should have her first mammogram right and it's right. kind of like that when you turn 50 that's the age where your insurance will cover for you to have a colonoscopy and your your gp should probably order one for you right. i mean it's it it's not a painful test but it is it has kind of an unpleasant prep that you have to do and you do mm-hmm. have to be sedated while you do it and I've been putting it off. Well, and it's your yeah. butt. It's the that's I the mean, other thing on. about this. No one wants to talk about any of this shit. It's all embarrassing and it's all this and it's all that and my philosophy is, you know, I mean, I we both came from families that could appreciate a good poop joke anyway, but better to be embarrassed than dead. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think hmm. there's a number of different things that people have, you know, testicular problems colorectal problems that where men we're not as macho as we used to be but we still the uncomfortableness of it sort of like well i don't know if i really want to talk to someone and i think you know i shouldn't leave it on men alone women do that too I, i think yeah i think that can happen i think you know jason and i 
were very close and talked about everything, but I would be willing to bet you that he had been feeling symptoms different before he long before he mentioned it to me. You right. know, probably because he knew what I would say, which was go to the doctor, dumbass. You right, know, go like, get checked. Right. Right. So um but it's well, also I can admit, so, I'm not so unexpected too. I mean, you right, have these weird, fe- like, you know, you course. kind of feel a little uncomfortable here and there, and yep. it's like, oh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I doubt probably... there was a day he's he was thinking, boy, if I don't get this checked out, it could kill me. Right, like, no. that wouldn't be what no. he was thinking. I am um, a cynic to beat most cynics, and I my life philosophy is generally plan for the worst and hope for the best. Right. And I have to tell you, I had no inkling that they were going to come in and say that he had cancer. Right. I thought, to me, the worst case scenario was that we were going to find out that he had like Crohn's disease or That's something what I, like sure. that, that we were going to end up having to, to make some something. significant life changes in order to accommodate a chronic illness like that. I mean... And that one can be terrible, It too. really can. Yeah. Um, but there are very few times in my life that I can honestly say that I did not see that coming, and, mm-hmm. and that was one of them. It was right. a very surreal moment. Um, I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, uh, before we get away from it, because this isn't going to be, you know, it isn't going to be all dreary. I I just know that. I I know that there's, (laughs) well, there's some really, Jason was an interesting guy. Like, I I was out of town when you had the uh, post or pre-death funeral thing. So so let's hear about that. Maybe you can describe what that was. I just want to ask a couple quick more questions. Like, Okay, since you are, you know, somewhat advocating that people understand more about this stuff, is there anything else that that we, we had a death doula on yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a while back? I think she did a really nice job of of kind of enlightening me to the idea that yeah, I really should do a will and I should think about things like if you've got the opportunity to say it, yep. now is kind of the time to say, these are the things that I learned. That yeah. That's perfect. I would like to say that. And then if people want to shut it off, they can shut it off. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> so if you have changes in your bowel habits that are evident for more than a few weeks, mm. um, if you ever see blood on the toilet paper or in the toilet bowl, um, you know, the, it, depending on where the tumor is located, the symptoms can be different, but some of the things um, might be bloating, um, abdominal pain. Um, one thing that gets caught a lot of times is someone will go in for regular testing for something or they'll mm-hmm. be sick and they'll go in to have labs and they'll find out that they're anemic and that their hemoglobin is low. And it's not uncommon um, if you have a tumor that's higher up in your colon, it can be uh, bleeding slowly over a long time, but you can't see it necessarily. Sure. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something that can be checked to see. Not all tumors bleed, so that's not the case for everyone. But Yeah, and, I, sure. and again, in the spirit of being a little embarrassed about talking about butts, uh, sometimes when people wipe their butt, there's blood on the toilet paper. For sure, right? and that's one of the things that people run into a lot of times is when you go to the doctor, they will say, well, you probably have hemorrhoids or you do have hemorrhoids. Right. It's entirely possible to have hemorrhoids and colorectal cancer. Sure. So, you know, it's it's fine. Um, I, I guess the... The takeaway that I would give to people is if you feel like something is wrong, then don't stop pushing until you've had a colonoscopy and you know that nothing is wrong. Okay. Right. It's kind That's... of the gold standard. There are other tests out there that you hear about, you know, that you can do at home and things like that. Um, they right. are not as effective as yeah. a colonoscopy. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing, so... the one thing is that 
you know, if you hear of people having colonoscopy, they have a polyp. A polyp yep. gets removed, right? Yep. Um, a polyp doesn't always turn into cancer, but right. every cancer comes from a polyp. Okay. So I didn't having know that. the polyps removed, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like if, sure. you, go, if you go in and they remove polyps, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you need to have a panic attack because you're going to get cancer. A lot of people have polyps. Right. But if you're going in there and getting it checked and having them removed, then that's one polyp that's not going to turn into cancer. Sure. Okay, so... We're, we'll lose all listeners because I love it, but that's okay. I was actually just thinking that maybe if Jim needs to have a colonoscopy, maybe you could just do it. We, right, right. Right. And I don't mean we're going to lose listeners because of what you said. I, I'm I'm going to bring up something. So I know that people oh, have God. a real aversion to skin tags too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and they think skin tags are super gross. Yeah. Is Do you have any idea, is a polyp in your colon at all like that? A skin tag. I would yeah. say that it's kind of similar because all they do to remove it is they've got like a little um, Nippers. cautery type of a device oh, and it basically kind of just snips it off but burn, like burns, burns it at the it. same Cauterize time so it doesn't yeah. bleed. Yeah, they seem kind of pointless. They don't really seem like they serve any function at all. They right, don't. and they just mm -hmm. show up. Yep. And, and and not every one of them, like you say, is going to turn into cancer, yep. but some of them, it's just best to get them out of there. Yeah, that's basically my understanding of it. Okay. I am not a doctor. Well, and and I nor am I, but um, I know that the the your gut is, you know, 99% not you. Yep. There's however many different organisms living in there, and I wonder if that's got something to do with that. But, well, I'm no scientist. Hard to, hard so. to say. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely... Well, opened we just up something here. Ruined, ruined science is what we did. <laughs> right. I mean, we're all talking. There's someone who's about... listening that's a doctor that's going, oh my, oh my God. God. What is What going made on? these guys think they should talk Who to science? These have a right, right. Yeah. Well, but this is, I mean, yeah, it's something I've been putting off. You know? Well, I think so, this is sort of education. Which you're not supposed to do. I know this. Laypersons. You know? I think talking over two other things I wanted to say. The first yeah. thing is there are a lot of young women that are being diagnosed late with colorectal cancer because um, it's very common to have hemorrhoids and some bleeding um, postpartum. Sure. So a lot of women will go into the doctor and they'll say, I'm having abdominal pain, I'm having bloating, I've seen some blood, you know, you have hemorrhoids, it'll clear up, go home, you know. Um, I. I'm a member of a few different um, online groups of people that are mm -hmm. in these situations, and I cannot tell you the number of cases I've seen where these women, when they finally do get a colonoscopy, they have stage four cancer. And the thing about colorectal cancer is that the sooner you find it, the better off you are. It, it can be cured in most cases if they find it early or sure. if they pull a polyp out before it has a mm -hmm. chance to start, you know. Metastasizing. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that... Again, that's just the whole, you know, you have to keep advocating for yourself if if you think that there might be something wrong. Right. Yeah, and the uncomfortableness of a colonoscopy is certainly not worth risking your life, like you said. I would say it's not. Uh, yeah. They actually give you really good drugs. Um, that's what I've heard. Yeah. That's what my doctor said, too. So. He's like, you'll be fine. It's the, you know? the process itself, most people don't even remember. Right. How um, long does it take? Um, maybe like 10 minutes. Really? 20 oh. minutes? I mean, it depends For on... For some the, reason, I thought it... I mean, they're basically just... I, I don't know anything. ...putting a camera on a tube... <laughs> right. Up, ...you know, yeah. in, into your colon, taking a look at everything, and yeah. especially if and there's nothing to look at, it's a very quick process. So well, you, get it done. You go in, you get an IV. Amigo. They give you some nice, happy... Happy drugs. Yep. You, yep. you don't remember a thing about it, um, and uh, 
you will feel like you've lost 10 pounds after it's all over. So, Well, Weird. I could definitely use that yeah, he part needs of to it. Lose 10 pounds, but... Um, yeah, and he's got a little rhino in him, so they're going to have to find some extra drugs. Mm-hmm. Right. But he'll do fine. It's kind of funny, actually. Um, when Jason was diagnosed, again, we were not expecting a catastrophic diagnosis. And so I not. had just taken him. We took the day off work, and I, mm-hmm. I brought him in. I was reading a book in the waiting room, and they called me back. And I remember thinking, oh, that was fast. And it was fast because the tumor was almost blocking the lower part of his colon. They couldn't get past it. Wow. Oh, jeez. And that's also the reason why he was having the feelings of being constipated. It's just it was the the actual pressure of the tumor was making him feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I came in and the doctor, it was just a GI doctor. He said, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm 99% sure that he has cancer. And um, Jason was just completely unaffected by this information i was like right. i like i literally i thought i was going to throw up i thought i was going to pee my pants like right. i just looking uh-huh. for a chair to sit down in I'd, right. i it was such a visceral reaction i'm generally a very calm person and unfazed by many things and i just was sort of having this moment of panic and he was just kind of laying in bed smiling and so and this that's was not be- a testament to the good drugs right that you get. right right this is right. drug, yeah, drug sure. related happiness yes. at the diagnosis of cancer and i asked him you know you kind of have to stay for a little while after until you sober mm-hmm. up a little bit before you go home and and as i was sobbing hysterically i said aren't you upset and he said well i'm just glad that they know what it is like right. i thought they were going to tell me that nothing mm-hmm. was wrong and i just like I've just been feeling so shitty that I just couldn't take that if that was the answer. Right. So, which is a good answer, but little did he know, right? Yeah, little did we all know. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, hmm. Well, all right. I, I'm getting misty as I think of Jason. So it's it's good. It's just the way it works. I I just, you know, you guys, it's like, it's it was a long process of watching. So how long was this stuff. process? Again, oh, it's from, yeah. It's okay, four years, eight months. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep, and uh, all right, so we, we put the little plug in for for some butt health, we'll call it, but some uh, seriously get things taken care of. And if Just I, don't put it off. That's all I would say. If you think that something's wrong, chances are it's it's not a big deal. Yeah. The chances of you having colorectal cancer are, are very slim. Just get it checked out anyway, because if you do... And you can get treated while it's stage one. That can be it. You can get it taken Mm -hmm. care of and then go on with the rest of your life. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, what you said there. The the important part of it is that you you just need to get these things. If you feel a little bit off and your body's speaking to you in that way for for a period of time, don't ignore what your what your own body is trying to tell you. Exactly. So. All right, so you guys did the, you did a big event at what building? Uh, it was at the Bell Museum, which is... Um, oh, yeah. In um, St. Paul, yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It's, um, it, I don't know where it used to be. My understanding it is that it used to be a smaller, yeah. smaller facility with a lot, a lot of stuff packed into it. And they recently opened a new I know it well, museum. actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful new facility, actually. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's amazing. I won't claim to be um, super cool and artistic and and a genius for <laughs> coming either. up with the idea. My cousin works there. And oh, so okay. I had been seeing some of the stuff that she had been putting on social media about mm-hmm. the opening and about the different things. And, right. you know, we were looking for a place that there wasn't really a template. 
for this sort of event. And so mm -hmm. we really had no idea how many people were going to come or what it was going to be like. And so we were trying to find some place that would feel okay whether 20 people came or 300 uh -huh. people came. Right. And so that's why we chose the event. So did you have a name for the event? Was it a pre-funeral? I think on the invitation I put... Well, on the top of it, we put, hey, I'm not dead yet, because that's what the guy says in Monty Python. Right. Um, but I... Th Basically, what I did was I just put the information about what was going to happen, and then uh -huh. on the back, there was an FAQ. And mm -hmm. so it said, like, what what is this? And right. it said, instead of getting together after Jason is dead to talk about how great he was, why don't we all get together now, and we can tell him while he's still here, Right. basically. So, and this was you sort of came up with this plan once you knew that the all all avenues had been exhausted. There um, was nothing really yeah. left to do. At the end of September, um, he was having a lot of pain, and um, he had been on a clinical trial, and that obviously wasn't working because the tumor growth was causing pain, and um, the. Um, oncology folks had recommended that we talk with hospice with palliative care because they they're the best at managing pain is basically mm. what it was that right. it doesn't mean mm -hmm. you know once we knew this trial wasn't working there wasn't really anything else for us to do anyway and so you know it was about management sort of more or less yeah. and that was a good thing because mm -hmm. um they got it under control in a matter of a couple of days. They just right. had a much better idea of what kinds of drugs to use and in what doses. And um, they were able to get his pain under control um, in a way that he was still able to live mm -hmm. quite normally. He yeah. was still able to drive and play okay. his bass and, and do whatever he wanted to right. do. Yeah, when so, uh, he, he had one last show. He played two live shows after he went into hospice. I think that that was probably not no something that any hospice patients had done before. <laughs> no. And can you tell us about the shows? Where were they? Um, Jason has, he played music. He was in a band when I met him and I was 15 years old when I met him. Mm -hmm. So he's been in various bands all of his life. And sometimes it kind of had the same group of guys in it. And so there were, um, two guys in this band, Anniverse, that he had known since high school, mm -hmm. basically. Um, it's, I guess, a black metal band would be yeah. the best way to describe it. Okay. And it, it looked pretty hardcore, the, the pictures I saw. Seriously, I don't know anything about it. It's the it, kind but... of music that when you when you listen to it, you really can't determine anything that's being said. <laughs> no lyrics? Yeah. yeah. Right. There are lyrics, and they're beautiful. I've read them before. I just couldn't. <laughs> decipher them yeah i'd have to have a sheet to follow along. sure um but even though these guys all had day jobs they're all yeah. very talented musicians and the one thing that anytime like a friend or a family member would come to see them they would always say the same thing which was it's not really my kind of music but i can't believe how good they are like yeah they, they practiced regularly and they were really tight and they were good mm -hmm. musicians right. so um both of the last shows were just coincidentally at lee's liquor lounge okay um, sure that's a great venue yeah um i don't remember exactly what the dates were but i think one was the last one was the day after thanksgiving okay and he was getting progressively weaker by that point i remember being a little nervous um 
he was bound and determined that he was not going to sit down during the set. And so he would tell me that when he went to practice that he made it through the set and he didn't mm-hmm. sit down. And so I'm as I'm watching, I'm just like, you know. Yeah, he's just... I just was always so worried he was going to push himself too far and like pass out or something like that. But right. um, he did great. So okay. it was... It was a really good show, so. Yeah. So you had this event at the Bell Museum, mm-hmm. and and what did that sort of look like? How did that? So, w- one of the things you have to do when you first engage with hospice is you have to talk a little bit about funerals. At the very least, you have to pick a funeral home and mm-hmm. kind of get some of that stuff documented. And so, after we had our first visit with them, you know. Jason was in a lot of ways, I think, kind of a typical guy. He wasn't a huge fan of talking about stuff. And if he could avoid talking about it, that's usually what he would do. And so while we always had a lot of black humor about everything and we're always making jokes about, well, once you're dead, I'm going to do whatever I want. And, you know, (laughs) don't yell at me, I'm dying and all that kind of stuff. But um, really talking about the nitty gritty of it was not his favorite thing to do. Uh Sure. um, my dad actually passed away unexpectedly about a year and a half ago and we had a very casual funeral for him and i remember afterward a couple of his friends and various people said to me you know this was so cool your dad really would have loved this he was such a great guy blah 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 and it just really made me think about how stupid that was Mm -hmm. that like all of these people you know that loved my dad like did he know that like, did he right. know that they felt that way? Like, mm-hmm. it, maybe he did, but it just right. it just seems so stupid to me that it, when you know you're going to die and mm-hmm. you can see it coming, why wait? You know, it right. just didn't make any sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. So, and especially just because, too, with an anticipated death like Jason's was, I mean, that's the last thing I wanted to do. Like, you know, it's a long fight, and when mm-hmm. it's over just like the idea of having to go have a funeral and talk to people and get dressed up and hug them and right you know Mm -hmm. yeah pretty terrible really i just i've never been a fan of funerals one way or the other but um yeah it it, well and you have a little a touch of shyness about yourself i would say i'm introverted Yeah. yeah yeah i don't know um Maybe it's not shy. I don't know. You know, I do tend to. No, it's okay. I tend to avoid social situations, um, just because I am happier in small groups. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So the idea of here, I've just had this traumatic life event, and now let me put on a a large event for people. And it's kind of a show, really. Like I can remember too at my dad's funeral. Like I remember my mom saying at the end of the day that she kind of felt like she was comforting people more than they were comforting her. (laughs) That it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. And what are you going to do? And you know, a lot of questions. How is that helpful? You know? Yeah. Like, how old was your father? 62. 62. He had just retired. Mm. And that He's was young. That was unexpected too, right? Yeah, you just said that. Yeah, yes. he just, um, they were up visiting some friends up north for the day, and um, they were standing in the driveway, and my dad said that he felt dizzy, and um, he fell straight backwards onto the driveway and um, fractured his skull. Uh, he was a, like six foot four, so he was mm-hmm. a big man, and he basically kind of fell like a tree. So, you know, we had expected that we were going to find out that he had a stroke or a heart attack or something. And I spoke to the coroner after his autopsy, and he said, you know, I I can tell you that your father died because he hit his head very hard, but I can't tell you what caused him to fall down and hit his head. So we never did get an answer as to to why it happened. So, Huh. um, Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, this is, uh, so that's, so that's, basically my life has been a total hoot for yeah, the past yeah, bad yeah, news I mean, five years is what I'm telling you. Yeah, you've had a pretty shitty go at things um, here for a while. Kind of a rough go. Yeah. Um, but there's, I, you know, there's not all darkness in it, I imagine. I mean, there's there's darkness in, in the loss of these people, but I also think that, uh, you know, from what I could tell of what I saw, you're... you're father had a lot of collectibles and a lot of things that so he was a character yeah and uh and jason certainly had many fine attributes to uh sort of carry your your vision of him so i wonder there are a lot of good memories um yeah the hard part is i think just the acceptance you know like sometimes i just am angry like why it's a pointless question there's no point in you know but it's a natural question. And ruminating question. on it, but, you know, there are a lot of really shitty people in the world. Hmm. Like, why do things like this have to happen to, you know... Good people. Right. Yeah. So, I try not to get stuck there. Like I said, it's it's not a helpful thought to have, but I do have it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a natural position for people to take when, when things mm-hmm. are happening to them, and that's... And I think that as time passes, it's easier to remember the happy stuff it it's it's just doesn't hurt quite so much right so yeah well you two uh we're i'm not shying away from the sad stuff but we're going to take a little break we're 30 minutes in um we'll take a little break and we'll see if we can uh we don't have to change and and talk about fun stuff but we could if we wanted we could talk about life and legacy (laughs) a little bit and and just sort of uh you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe do a little bit of celebration of those of the lives of these two people and and some other things. So good. All right, we'll take a little break. Bye. Thank you for listening. I can't believe you've made it halfway through already. I'm sure you can't believe it as well. Uh, if you are not a family member of mine or Jim or Sarah's, uh, that's even more impressive that you've stuck with us this long uh don't forget to visit our website www.andalin.app or uh, if you're interested in the institutional version you can always check out kineticlegacy.us too anyway thanks for listening we'll start with the second half Back. We are back. We had okay. uh, we did a little talking, a little talking during the the break, and things are good. But uh, we're back. Did you? Yeah. So so Amanda, during our thanks for coming in again. <laughs> break. We were chit chatting, and I wanted to ask you, Amanda. You know what you thought. You know, was the pre death celebration funeral? Um, I mean, did you think that was successful? Was that a good experience for yeah. all? I think it was. I think there, when we first kind of floated the idea, the the feedback that we got from immediate family was that it was a really cool idea, but that they were afraid it was going to be really sad, mm-hmm. and afraid for themselves. I guess. You know. You know. Sure. Right. I mean, the whole thing's really yep. sad. It, right. Like, it's exactly. already sad. Yeah, and I think that's part of more or less sad after the death. I think or? that's part of what happens in a situation like this is that 
when you're right in the middle of it, you kind of don't have any choice but to deal with it. And when you're a little bit further away from it, it's easier to put it off until you have to deal with it. Sure. And so maybe mm-hmm. that was part of it. I'm I'm not sure, but um, there was some worry that it might just be too emotional and too mm-hmm. overwhelming. And one of my fears was that I I was afraid that people wouldn't come for that reason. That they would think right, that it was going to be fear, too yeah. too much. Right. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason why I did the the FAQ on the back of the invitation kind of explaining what we were doing and why and you know I had put a line about this is going to make me cry isn't it and you know we're hoping for more laughter than tears and yeah, and I think I for the that. most part it was you know um, over 300 people came um, that's a lot it was a lot of people yeah. um, it was basically just an open invitation I didn't send anything to anyone it was yeah. just on on social media and okay. if you wanted to come you could come mm-hmm. and um I got a lot of comments afterward from people saying um, that they just could feel the love in the museum, that, you know, it was, it felt celebratory. It didn't feel sad. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a couple of younger kids there that thought it was a birthday party. Like they didn't, (laughs) the vibe was not funeral vibe. Yeah. So. um, And that's kind of what I'm wondering, like how that vibe looks. How does it? look you know what I mean kind of what we did was we when people came in I had some friends from work that were sort of doing it you know they had name tags and stuff for people and it said how we knew them and um, part of the reason why I liked the idea of the bell is because you know they're known for like their dioramas and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of it's natural history stuff all over the place and it kind of um, there's a lot of little hiding places and so that's part of what I liked about the idea that if someone was feeling overwhelmed they could maybe yeah. just go look at the woolly mammoth for a minute and get their feelings together right and and it did work out pretty well for that you know there yeah. was um, also it was good for kids not that we have a ton of people with little kids in our in our families but it was it just wasn't a super like structured formal atmosphere. right okay um, Jason was physically he was doing okay but he was pretty he would get pretty tired pretty easily and so um his brother kindly brought um a little couch from our house for him to sit on Mm -hmm. he sort of we just sort of put that um against a wall over on one side and then on the opposite there was a room where his brother had made a slideshow and then we had some food and a bar in there and Mm -hmm. you know just um you know, I didn't watch the slideshow until after it was over. To me, that was the most emotional part. Yeah, um, his, yeah, that's that's hard. His mom had made beautiful scrapbooks for all three boys with all kinds of, you know, basically until they graduated from high school. So she probably had ten of those that she brought in a suitcase and put them out for people to look at. Right. Um, and so it it was kind of cool. Um, he was kind of holding court. You know, he was kind of sitting yeah. on his couch. Well, and people were question. coming over, and like he didn't have to mingle. He sat there, and people yeah, and came, people to, came him. to him. Yeah, yes. and and for me, like as much as you want to concern yourself with with, you know, I, I don't want to make light of the fact that other people go to this thing and would be sad. I like I said, I I didn't know Jason that well, and I was out of town. I would love to have gone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I wouldn't have known a large number of the people there or whatever but I think I think it was a I thought it was a very thoughtful way of approaching what you two knew was coming because it was going to happen anyway that's right you know and so for me the question would be did Jason enjoy it because it wasn't this his thing I mean of all the people 
who attended or didn't attend isn't really most important exactly. how he felt about it? He told me at one point, a couple hours into the evening, I think we had the place for three or four hours. It was getting closer to the end of the evening, but there were still a fair number of people there. And he went um, into the restroom and he told me later that night it was very strange. Um, just the acoustics in there, he could hear so many people hmm. talking and laughing. Yeah. And he said, it just occurred to me that all these people are here for me. Right. And he said, that was really cool. So I think he did have a good time. I think it took a little bit of coercing to, um, he's not a terribly social right. guy. I knew that. And I think yeah. he probably would have preferred, you know, the not idea of not situation. having, not having <laughs> to, be able to, to do just, it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of one of those situations where I was like, I think it's going to be really good if you can just trust me. Yeah. And he did. And I think it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't put myself in that position and I'm, you know, I don't think anyone wants to find themselves there, obviously, but, um, I'm glad that little anecdote of him hearing the acoustics that I think the evening went by very quickly for him. I think there was just a constant stream of people talking to him, giving him hugs, you know, um, a friend flew in from California. There were people that he went to high school with, you know, it was. Yeah. See, I love it. Yeah. I think that, I think you made absolutely the right choice. And I, it's the kind of thing where at the, in the moment, even after it's pretty fresh still all of it that is something that five years down the road 10 years down the road for the rest of your life you will cherish that event for sure um and so will others who attended the people that i work with have been amazingly supportive um along this whole path i i work in a department of about 100 people and i was really very private person before all this happened to us and I remember when we got the diagnosis and I went it was on a Friday and when I went back to work I remember trying to decide who I was going to tell Mm -hmm. and and then I remembered thinking well how am I going to you know keep it a secret if I'm not going to be here and stuff like I don't know how how is that going to work and I just had this gut instinct to tell everyone. I sent an email to everyone in the department, and I still, even right now, I'm like, I don't, I have no idea what possessed me to do such a thing. Right. Like it was so unlike anything I had ever done before, and it was the best decision I've ever made. Yeah, right. the support that I have gotten from the people I work with is right. Well, I think, I think you're speaking to something that uh, people don't necessarily talk about but i think it's giving people a chance exactly like i think to support some of my life experiences had taught me that letting people in was an opportunity to be hurt and it is. this was a situation where it was so the opposite mm-hmm. and um that had been a huge help but my point was they hired a photographer my my oh, you're co-workers put together a collection and hired someone to take photographs. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so I was wondering about that, actually. I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, okay. And so now you've mentioned, too, that you're part of some other support groups. Is Nothing in person. I okay. don't do very well with in person. Sure. Um, I tried a couple of them, and my basic feeling was that when people had a story about how they had cancer and then they got cured i was pissed Mm -hmm. and if people had a story that was worse than ours then it was even sadder and like i didn't really i think the point of a support group is to feel like you're talking to people who know what you're going through and for Mm -hmm. some reason i just never really got that feeling it was 
I think the other problem with that is sort of how I feel about therapy. Like, mm. I don't always have something I have a problem with on Thursdays at 3 o'clock. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how a support group works, too, is <laughs> they meet at a certain time. That's funny, actually. And, yeah, it is. Um, Sorry. No, no, it's no, but no, it is no, really funny what you just exactly said. That is exactly how yes. I feel about it. The therapist yeah. that I see now is fortunately someone that I can call on a Monday and I can be in by the end of the week. And that right. has worked out so well for me because... You, know. you mean you can't schedule your your like uh, your little breakdowns and, nope, your, and your, really right. the problems to occur every two weeks on a Tuesday? At I four? really can't. Uh, yeah, I get so, it. I get it. I've never thought of. I've it actually never been that great at scheduling haircuts and stuff yeah. either. So it's, <laughs> um, but um, I have I found a great deal of information early in our journey and a great deal of support later on in it through um, some online. Okay. One was a yeah. website and a couple were through Facebook and they're basically just secret groups. You know, mm -hmm. I can see them on my Facebook feed and I can say whatever I want, but the only people that can see them are the other people in the group. Right. So uh -huh. Particularly, I think um, there was one that was for only people who were caregivers of people with stage four cancer. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely helpful in the last six months of his life. Right. There are a lot of things about being a caregiver that just don't make any sense. And yeah are physically difficult and emotionally difficult and there are some days that you just feel like you're losing your mind well and you said something during the, the break about being on 24 7 or whatever like right. yeah i mean you you here you are having to live with a person who you've you you guys met when um, you were 15, we were you together said? for 28 years basically i met him when i was 15 he had just turned 18 i think and um we dated all through high school, um, got married when I was 22, and... Mm -hmm. And did, where'd you grow up? Um, northern suburbs. He was from okay. Blaine, and I was from Coon Rapids, so... Oh, okay. I'm, I'm from Elk River, so... Are you? Yeah. I'm from Crystal. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're all... <laughs> yep. We know your types. Uh, you you, right. you yeah. remember driving to Rosedale because it was the only oh, cool yeah. place to shop? <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or, well, Brookdale. Well, was right, right, exactly. You know, it was, I mean, yes. you know, but Brookdale really now wasn't very Now all those kids cool. up there going to Riverdale. Right. Oh, well, they have no oh idea God. the struggles that we oh, faced. Right. <laughs> so you two, uh, I mean, this is a this is a lifelong... We just... I mean, you were partners Connected. For, yeah. I don't, you know, it seems ridiculous to say that when you're 15 years old, you knew you were going to marry someone, but well, I had a feeling. It seems mm -hmm. ridiculous until you... Uh, live it for 28 years or whatever. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, you that's certainly proved chunk. it out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so the two of you met when you were younger, you lived, uh, how long did you live down the street from me? Um, we bought our house the year before we got married. So it was July of 1997. No, that we kidding. bought that house. Yep. Yeah. You've been there a long time. Yes. We're, um, like I said, uh, we used to be very private people. We were very quiet. We just lived there and kind of did our own thing. And that's one I of the things I actually liked about the neighborhood was it wasn't like a suburban, let's all hang out in your garage the minute you get home kind of a... Right. You mean like, like him? <laughs> he, you know, he's usually in his garage by himself. I right, drive by I know. all the time. You know, no, she's you know, right. I know that. She's right. I sit there and... And call me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have a network. I, like, I have had years where I've had a lot of campfires and stuff in my backyard, but I didn't mean it in like a oh poor Sam way. I just I did meant not take you it clearly way. have a lot of projects and ideas and things going on, and you always seem no, perfectly content to be I out am. in your garage. I am, yeah. No, and and I I actually appreciate 
like so we moved in in 2004 which means that we have now lived down the road from you for 14 years and i really barely know you guys you know in, in a lot of ways um i think you had a project you needed a deck moved yeah and and the whole neighborhood yeah. got together that was really cool i was looking for that video the other day and, and then i got distracted but i know i have it but yeah I mean, there were like 40 people, and, and the deck is really heavy, and 40 people pick it up, and it yeah, just... Yeah, you told me about this. It was just, off to the yeah, side. It, it was, was just kind of strange. There was, a t- there was a big tree in our backyard, uh-huh. and Jason built a deck around it, and so the deck had this cutout where the tree grew through, and the tree was not in great shape, and it was a silver maple, and it made a big mess every year, and um, we just decided to bite the bullet and mm-hmm. have it taken down, um, and we couldn't have the stump removed until the deck was out of the way. Right. And so the deck was probably only what, like a foot, a foot high, but it was big. And it was big and, and a yeah, lot of weight. And it was me solid. about how heavy this thing was. But when everybody lifted it together, it was like nothing. Right. They yeah. just took a few steps and got it off to the side. And then later perfect. on, they did it again when the stump was gone. And it uh-huh. was... It yeah. sort of reminded me of like old timey barn raising. Well, I know, I like it. It sounds very old timey, you know. The neighbors come over and. Well, and it was weird too you know. because so, like, we had just kind of put out a public plea of, you know, can you stop by at this time? And so there were people that. Jason used to be a big part of the mountain biking community, and mm. his brother is a big part of the mountain biking community. And so there were a couple of people who literally clipped off their bikes, and they were in their gear, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like it, so it was, it was, it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, that's when I sort of first really got to know you and and i i enjoy our neighborhood i'm a social guy i like people but i don't really need to assume that i'm going to be friends with each and every neighbor i just want to know that they're okay if i can help out in any way let me know Uh, my immediate neighbor bill mcnaughton he and i became very good friends Mm -hmm. um and we would sit by my campfire but usually when i have people over like i i sort of look at those neighborhoods the suburbs where where everybody's getting together every weekend and think like man i'm not sure i'd want my neighbors to come That's over too much I, for me i feel like i would feel like i was being a hostage in my own home like i I, yeah. I have been accused in my life of being standoffish and that's totally okay with me but right. um there are times that you know um I just need my space. And the idea of coming home and having all of the neighbors next yeah. door yelling at me to come yeah. over and have a beer, I would just... Yeah. Oh, that's me. Doesn't sound Completely. very appealing to I like, me. I like our backyard fence that we put up. Mm-hmm. I can sit back there by myself, yep. drink my beer by myself, talk to you on the phone. That's yeah, nice. I sort of sit, you know. I sort of sit in this, this semi-private, but also... If you want to stop by and have a beer with me and say, yeah. I, right. I'm up for you're it. You're not wide right. out in the open, but it, if you can see that you're there. Yeah. And, and if you really, if you walk over and you want to have a beer, I'll, I'll offer you a beer. But it, it doesn't say, it doesn't scream, no. hey, everybody. In it's the not an open over. garage door with 10 <laughs> lawn chairs in the driveway. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, antisocial city, folks. Uh, right. You know, you know, it serves me fine. No, it, it does. <laughs> it does me too. well, too. I like, I like it. I, I actually really love our little neighborhood. I think um, when push comes to shove, pretty much you could stop by anyone's house. I and, agree. And talk to them if you needed to about anything. So, yep. Um, but you guys have been there a long time. And uh, I know I, I took a little tour the other day and uh, Jason renovated the house beautifully. The yeah. meticulous man you can tell he was a little bit of a renaissance man that way i'm i i think he found that a lot of his um 
peers maybe did not have the interest in obtaining some of those skills that, you know, I, growing up, my father and my uncles and my grandfather and everybody was very um, good at building things. They just were, they could just fix stuff. Classic old school Minnesotans. Yep, totally. And Jason's dad was always, you know, he um, was in concrete and so he, you know, had a lot of knowledge as well and, and Jason, you know, learned from his older brothers and he just you know wanted to figure out how to do it so yeah he he really so he did a lot of stuff at your house it's a small house and i sort we never intended to have children it kind of wasn't our thing and so but i think we both thought when we bought it that we probably would maybe get a bigger house someday Mm -hmm. and we ended up just sort of making it exactly what we wanted yeah it Mm -hmm. it it is enough right so um, I, I love our little houses in that it would area. Be, it would be hard to let it go now. So. Of course. Right. Yeah. Um, even even harder, maybe. I, I had moments during, you know, this whole process when I would think, oh, my God, I'm going to sell this house and go live in a one-bedroom condo where I never have to, you know, right. deal with anything. Don't you know, do like, it. I know. I've I've gone back around. Do, point, do it so. if you have to. But I'm saying you I got think maybe what I'll do is I'll get a one bedroom condo like out near San Diego somewhere. And then right. I can oh. just go live there when it's shitty here. So. Yes, that's actually the way to do it. That's a good three to seven months, depending on. The it's a, good, <laughs> a solid three months, three months in San Diego during the winter is pretty nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. You've got a big connection. Well, I do. Diego, yeah. So. so I have a lot of friends in San Diego and um yeah, and you know, uh, Amber Amber's parents actually spend three months in uh, San Diego every winter. So we actually went um, on Jason's fortieth birthday. Um, I put together a surprise trip for him, and um, I had called a travel agent and just kind of said, you know, what's a cool city where it's nice? His birthday's in January, so I said, what's a cool city that has a lot to do that's nice? at yeah. this time of year and she recommended several places but um neither of us had ever been to california we had been many places in the united states but not to california mm-hmm. and so i put together a trip um you know took an envelope from work and wrote top secret on it and you know had everything put together <laughs> and he didn't know where we were going until we got to the airport and awesome. the, the guy awesome. looked at his boarding pass and said I said, tell him where you're going have a nice time <laughs> exactly Diego, it was it was really cool oh, that's but really anyway cute. We just really fell in love mostly with the weather and yeah. the ocean. You know, it's, it's beautiful just, there. I mean, we did spend a lot of time in Balboa Park and went to the zoo and all that kind of stuff too. But it's just the weather is just so perfect. It yeah. just it just feels so much lighter there. It it is a lot lighter. I yeah. mean, everything about it. It's so good to get he and away I from were out there this here. summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this past summer, um, right? A little business business thing, but. Uh, we, what, we were there three or four days, but during yeah. the summer, and it, we, I think we left, like, if, if you remember last year, we had winter until the middle of May or something yep. like mm-hmm. that. We had a snowstorm early May that was 12, yeah, it, 13 inches, whatever it was. And then and then it, it immediately jumped into our usual... Uh, 90 degrees and 100% humidity. That's <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. And we went out to San Diego, and, and I'm... You know, I've been to San Diego one other time. But so wasn't I, it such a novelty, though, that people had their, like, screen doors, or, like, there were no screen doors? Just, I like, mean, the patio everything. doors are open. Oh, no everything's bugs. open. It was, it was, you would think, like, oh, it's Southern California. It could be real hot. Nope. It's, like, 80 degrees. Yep. It's so and nice. It cool. No bugs. No mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about it. I was like, Yeah, man, we're walking around. 
It's just one Chilling. small detail, <laughs> yeah. which is the fact that a house like ours goes for about four times as much as it oh, does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it turns out living in paradise will yeah, cost it. It yeah, does. It's yeah. very expensive. But yeah. anyway, we really fell in love with it, and especially um, we went to Ocean Beach, mm-hmm. and he just fell in love with it. You know, yeah. he loved to skateboard and mountain bike, and, you know, there's bunch of old hippies riding sk- yeah. skateboards barefoot yep. and smoking weed out on the you know on the grass, boardwalk on the boardwalk and like he just loved the whole vibe of it of and so um so that was the year before he got diagnosed and we went out several more times and rented houses in ocean beach and stayed in that area and stuff but um i think we both cancer interfered but i think that we both had thoughts of maybe wanting to to move out to Southern California. Sure. So that may be in the cards for you someday. I don't know. Or at least for three months. Well, it As might be a say, little early to be thinking about Apparently, your... widows are supposed to not make any big decisions for a year after their loved one's death. So. And, and how long has this been around? I don't know. Some, There's yeah. a lot of rules and regulations. You're, yeah, I mean, you've broken most of the other Yeah, I was going to say, you're already so. kind of not playing by the rules <laughs> right. in some ways. So I'm not sure that... A- to no, you. but it does seem like sage advice to, sure. to give right. it some time to think about right. what your next moves are. No doubt. Right. No doubt. No, I yeah. locked the door. I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. You could tell by my look. I was yeah. Like, what? It was, Jim thought someone was entering the, the studio mm-hmm. here. These two but, are communicating through ESP. Yeah. Yes, we, we do, <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, we're doing it right now, which makes for great radio. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, there's like, nothing people like more than listening to people think into a microphone. ESP, let's, yeah. Let's do it, Jim. <laughs> little ESP back over right. there. Okay. Do, do, do. I could try. Oh, and, you're right. I could try and guess. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you uh, if you could see in there, there's not a whole lot going on. No. In no. Either one of these. Just no. Bouncing back and forth, and nothing. It's like a ping connecting. pong. It's yeah. sort of like hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Ping, ping. Back and yeah. forth. Pong. Yep. Yep. The old Pong. Oh, it's been a while. That was that was like the first video game that uh, that I ever saw for sure. The the cousins had a TV with the Pong machine. Sure. When I was a kid. So yeah. I just remember being so oh. impressed by those. Oh my God! That was a fabulous great, graphics. When, well, that was a that was one heck of a day when they would let us come over uh-huh. and play pong for six. It really hours. was pretty fun. Ping pong. Yeah. God, we, we never got anything cool. I never had a video game. Concept That's because you know before video games. You no, were, no, it was around. It was around. It was like the, we just didn't. Get, we were late on everything. Late with the VCR. Late with the color TV. Well, you know, they just wanted to make sure that it was going to stick. Right, right. They weren't too sure about that. Video games were weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, waste of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were expensive. Right. That was the other. I thing. didn't have a lot of that stuff growing up either. It just wasn't my family's makeup. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah, so, uh, you know, usually somewhere around this time, uh, we ask, you know, like, so what do you do for fun these days? It just seems inappropriate. <laughs> no, I think it's totally appropriate. Yeah, what's going on? What what? Is... I actually think I might have a segue here for you. So. Okay, All right, let's do let's that. Let's it. do it. Hold on to your hats. All right. Okay. Um, I, like I said, I've always been a pretty type A person, very organized, um, and I've always kind of wanted to be a professional organizer. And had actually had some clients that I was doing that. I'm an executive assistant in my day job. So there's some organizational stuff involved, certainly. But it's office work for the most part. 
Um, and just, you know, in the brief read that I did of the website about legacy and mm -hmm. determining what's important and how do you preserve what's important and all of those things. Um, it's one of the things that you run into when you're working with people to organize their home or their mm -hmm. office is a lot of times people get bogged down because they have assigned an emotion to something. And when you have so many somethings after a while, the easiest thing to do is just ignore it. Yep. And then it piles up until the point where you can't <laughs> find your way out the door anymore. And then you- Jim's ammo, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so it was interesting to me, um, you know, that was something that I had to do a lot of after my dad's death. Um, mm -hmm. You know, certainly my mom was very, very involved, but it was a big task. Um, as you saw on social media, my dad yep. was a, he didn't have many things when he was growing up. And so things were important to him and he was a yeah. big collector and he had a big appreciation for anything antique or Western or unusual or weird. And he had this gift to be able to just walk into a garage sale and find some treasure thing that was actually a cool thing and everyone else would have walked past it and you know so he had literally a pole barn filled with all of these marvelous acquisitions wow. and um as i said he, he passed away three months after he retired his intention was to really you know get sort of a museum set up yeah. kind of um and we did engage um an auction place to help with a lot of that but there still were a lot of things to go through in terms of how do you make the decision of I mean, if you're really going to let your emotions rule the process, then everything has oh, a, a meaning. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and a lot of people find that to be an incredibly challenging process that it's, you know, you know I've kind of talked that through with people before to say, I mean, you literally would have to have a warehouse if you were going mm -hmm. to keep all of the things that you are saying are meaningful to you. I don't doubt that they are meaningful to you. But interestingly, one of the strategies that I've employed in the past is take a photograph of it yeah right so especially if it's something large you know mm -hmm. my my personal philosophy is i basically have a shoebox sized box from ikea for each year and if i can fit it in there then i can keep it that's the that's, that's, that's a great, my limitation that's great way yeah. to so, look at it um and you know certainly with the couple of years that we've had now i some years have two boxes because we got a lot of cards but mm -hmm. yeah. i decided i would let the exception slide so but it's yeah. it is interesting to me that um a way to preserve those memories without having to hold them in your hands because I think a lot of people become overwhelmed by their stuff and then you the can't enjoy you you really can't enjoy it and I also think it's kind of a drain on your energy it is actually yeah so I can relate to this I mean not a pole barn but um, he didn't always have a pole barn. It was, right. you know, the right. property that oh, they... Oh, I can't wait to have a pole barn. The property I would love that, actually. Well, unfortunately for you, you might have to live in East Bethel. I know, right. I know. Pole barn. That was always the thing that we were like, well, Dad, we're really glad you have your pole barn, but <laughs> you sure so kind of a long line. drive. Yeah. Yeah. So you going through all of this, um, where are you right now with the project? At my own house with Jason's things? With the pole barn project. Oh, it's it's is completed. It? Is yeah. it really? Um so my dad died in September. I think the following August was when my mom um, found, uh, I think it was Auction Masters was the name of the place. And I'll throw a little shout out to them because uh, three other auction places came in and said, sorry, see you later. We can't really? do this. It's okay. too many things. Okay. Um, and they did a great hmm. job and, you know, um, were very respectful and very appreciative of all of the things. And um, none of the things that we feared 
came to pass. You know, right. we were worried yeah. about people throwing his stuff around and calling uh-huh. things garbage, and none of those things happened. In fact, right. one of the guys said as they were wrapping up, you know, um, usually when we do an auction, you come in and you sort through piles and piles of junk, and then you mm-hmm. have a few cool things. And he said it's like Randy had all of the cool things <laughs> from in one right. place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, and he may have. So they may have been from the other auctions. Hard to say. Oh, that's, um, and that's then cool, she uh, actually closed on the sale of that property uh, the morning Jason died. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was a process. It was um, I think nine and a half acres and mm-hmm. um, out in East Bethel. Just had to find the right buyer, you know. Yeah. Right. So. But there, someone who wants a pole? Oh, they there. found it. Yeah. So. A lot yeah. of people want a pole barn. Oh God. I do. Like nothing else. Uh-huh. No, I don't really want to. I just. There were really nice things about it. If you had to do something to your car. You had a perfectly gorgeous, warm, nice place to do it. You uh-huh. know, if you had to store steer tires until next year, he would let you have a spot on the shelf. Not yeah. a lot of spots, but right. you know, got to but a little space. Well, yes. I'm you know I kind of grew up half rural, half urban, and mm-hmm. and the rural part of me is just like, well, you got to have a boulevard because that's where the work gets done. Exactly. You know, like that's well, a yeah. cool place to hang out. Oh, you know? I mean, he, out he spent as much time hanging out out there as he did doing work. He yeah, had a I recliner mean, and yeah. a screen TV, and you know. <laughs> That's the way a pole barn is supposed to. Yeah, there was a there you was know. plenty of room to do work, and there was a it, plenty of room. But there to was hang plenty out. of room to chill as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, But no, it sounds like the people that bought it, when they heard that their offer was accepted, they were in tears. They were so happy. <laughs> oh, so it sounds like it it was the right good hands. Yep. Sure. Well, so you know I, what you're alluding to is is the decluttering part of Andalin, mm-hmm. um, yep. and you know this wasn't. So the podcast is life and legacy, and certainly this was a this was an opportunity to talk about your life and the legacy of Jason and kind of how all of that has played out, and even your father. Mm-hmm. and And I think we all have people in our lives that have uh, left us too soon, or uh, or at the right time, but mm-hmm. fairly recently. I know we've you know we talked a little bit about that before, right? But um, yeah, one one. It didn't feel like an episode where plugging Andalin was a was a smart move, and really the the Legacy Matters podcast is truly not intended to be solely that. Um, it is to do exactly what we did today, which is to talk to people like yourself about life and legacy, which is a really broad, it is wide open. It's arena. open to a lot of different things, really. Well, and yeah. as I told you too, when you had mentioned. Um, me coming to do the podcast, I, I, I knew the name of Vandalin, right. and that was it. Like yeah. I had uh, yeah. seen the posts and I had seen the stuff, and I just had never taken the time to really look at it. And you know, I honestly didn't look at it until today. I grabbed a sandwich mm-hmm. and I was just looking through it, and I thought, well, how strange. There's really a lot of synchronicity here with some of the right. stuff that that I do mm-hmm. and want to do more of. Yeah. Well, um, it is. Uh, we're finding that if if a person were trying we're trying to just advertise in a, like a 30 second sort of here's Andalin and this is what it can do for you mm-hmm. it it doesn't really work right. it it's a little more complex than that and you know there's a lot of ways to enter into it and everybody has a different way you know yeah. because some people see it this way other people see it that way and it's and I'm not sure that it just, exists other it, than what we've created and and if right. it's if this is, as far as we can tell, we've seen no other version of of this bit of technology that does exactly what we this do. This platform, 
Yeah. yeah. And and for that reason, I think anytime you're you're sort of introducing something new, I, I feel I, it's not, I think it could border on smugness or something, but I'm so confident that what we've created is something that's going to be well-received and, and well-liked once people figure out what it is, that when right. people sort of look at me and they're like, yeah, I don't really get it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, just give it some time. Right. You, know, you will figure it out. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the making connections between events and, and objects and places and people that you've known and telling the stories and sharing that in your own community and, and having that community that you share it with fill in the rest of the stories. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of what you touched on today sounds like it's very much like our sensibilities and what we do on a daily basis yeah i think i don't i'm again not a doctor i have noticed though in working with others and with some of my own stuff too i think a lot of times the avoidance comes from not wanting to feel the feelings do you know what i mean for sure that i think a lot of people just put that stuff aside yeah because they're afraid of feeling pain and that's one of the things that i've noticed about just through this whole journey is there were times that i really struggled and i think i think i did a lot of grieving along the way and Mm -hmm. maybe a lot maybe some other people that were close to us saved all their grieving for the end. Mm, Do you sure. know what I mean? Yep. And I think, I'm not trying to say I'm so awesome or anything. What I'm trying to say is that... <laughs> no, I don't think it was taken that way. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, bad things happen, and we all have to deal with some heavy shit. Yeah. And you can really only put it on the shelf for so long. You know, there's something uh-huh. to be said for processing a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. I guess whether it's grief or whether it's just emotions of loss or, you know, I think sometimes even just like a a less dramatic emotion is that sometimes people don't like to deal with all of their clutter and their stuff because they have a lot of guilt about it. And so confronting it makes them feel terrible and how did it get to this point and I don't want to deal with this. And so then they just ignore it. Well, and we're we're a complex being you know and we are so some people some people there's guilt some people there's just straight up laziness some people there's yeah whatever else there is jim jim gave a little wave when i said so amanda so um you know both my parents have passed so the big thing with me is that i've got this garage i always bring this up but big garage full of stuff and it's been there for years and i'm like i've got to address it go through all the stuff that you know has been sitting there that I don't know the stories so that's just laziness on my part and he's got he's got three big boxes of stuff that we're going to go through here in the next couple weeks yeah as as we prepare for the launch of Andalyn and just sort of moving along but I mean I I would love to if you want another set of eyes I would be fascinated I can be quiet if you want me to just watch but I would really be interested to kind of see Here's, oh, that could be really interesting. So actually. we have uh, we have managed through a full hour, and I think this is a good time for us to to wrap it up. But um, I think that we have a lot more talking to do about kind of what 
field you're moving into, what your thoughts are on that, and if there's any overlap with what we do, and we can have that conversation yeah. privately, all right? Mm -hmm. I think I love it. I'm yeah. very, very happy you came in. I, I told you the other day when you mentioned it that it, it really came as a shock to me. Um, it wasn't a bad shock. It was just a, you kind of left it for the end, and, and you said, you know what, I think I want to come and do that podcast, and I'm really happy you did. And I hope that uh, I hope that your friends and family enjoy it, and I hope that you take something from this. And uh, I'll get misty again, as they say it. But I I hardly knew him, but I missed Jason, and I wish it hadn't happened, but it did. And uh, you know, well, I we feel like I got to know Jason a little bit today, which you know is really interesting. I mean, this is quite nice. Thank you, Amanda, mm -hmm. for coming in and and sharing. Yeah. I'm happy to do it. Maybe happy is not the right word since I'm crying, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're smiling while you're crying. It was a though. good thing. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Goodbye, you two. Bye. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalyn, and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care. Mm -hmm.